0: I invite you to turn me back in your Bibles to Mark chapter nine tonight. Mark chapter nine. My intention tonight was to look at verses forty-two through fifty. Um, not going to be able to do that. Um, we're just going to look at verse forty-two, just one verse tonight um this passage 42 to 50 is uh, both difficult and requires much it's going to require a lot of explanation and it's just more than i'm going to be able to tackle at one time so tonight we're going to look at just one verse and uh hopefully god will give us grace and we'll be able to understand the message that he has for us and how it applies to our own hearts. So please stand as we read Mark nine forty two. And whoever causes one of these little ones who believe to stumble, it would be better for him if with a heavy millstone hung around his neck he had been cast into the sea. Let's pray. Father in heaven, give us Ears that we can truly hear the sobering words of this verse. God, let us not dismiss them or take them lightly, but as a serious call to heed the word of God. By your spirit, God, convict us. God, teach us this today. Let this scripture leave an imprint on us, God, So that we will understand how very important our influence is. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. This morning we looked at verses 30 to 41. And we talked about achieving greatness. Jesus has taught his disciples that greatness in the kingdom is a matter of humbling ourselves... To serve others, especially believers. We humble ourselves to serve those, even the most insignificant, even the most lowly, the poor, and the destitute, those the world would overlook. We humble ourselves to serve them. That's greatness and the kingdom. And then Jesus, with his interactions with the disciples, we see two different examples of greatness. One of them we see in verses 38 to forty-one. Excuse me. The first one we see in verses thirty-six and thirty-seven, we see Jesus take a child and put in the middle of the disciples. And Jesus, he sits this child in the middle. The child is a picture of one who, in that society, was pretty insignificant, kind of the low, uh, the lowest on the social order of the day. And Jesus is teaching them that they are to show love and respect and serve even the most insignificant. They are to uh, show them, show, teach, treat them as those that are significant, as those that are valuable, as those that God would deem important. And then he gives another teaching in verses 38 to 41 where the disciples saw a man casting out demons in Jesus' name and they tried to stop him because he wasn't part of their group he's not one of us he doesn't need to be using Jesus name like this but Jesus says don't hinder him he's doing good in my name he's not going to turn around the next minute and curse me he is not he who is not against us is for us indicating this man truly is a follower of Jesus Verse 41, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name, because you are of Christ, truly I say to you, he will not lose his reward. Now, that interaction is what sets up verse 42. The disciples have tried to stop this man who apparently is a genuine follower of Jesus. He's not part of their group, but apparently he is genuinely following Jesus, doing good in Jesus' name. And when they try to hinder him, it brings Jesus to give them a warning. And it's the warning you see in verse 42. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him if, with a heavy millstone hung around his neck, he had been cast into the sea. It's a warning. It speaks of the danger of causing one who is following Jesus to fall away. Now tonight I want us to look closely at this verse and try to understand this warning. Because sometimes I'm not sure that we are aware of how very important our influence is sometimes I don't think we really stop to consider how very important our influence is on other believers the thing that I hope you'll see from this verse is God takes your influence as a Christian very very seriously and how your influence how your life impacts those who profess to follow Jesus God takes it very seriously, far more seriously than we do. So tonight, hopefully, we can hear and heed the words of Jesus. Now, the outline on your sermon handout is going to do you no good because that outline was assuming I was going to preach all all of these verses, but we're not, so you can pretty much ignore the outline you have. But let's look at this first verse, and I want you to notice several things. I want you to notice who are the characters in this verse. Who's Jesus talking about? Well, there are two parties. There's the little one who believes and then there's the one who causes him to stumble. Now, what does Jesus mean by little ones who believe? Well, little ones is not really a reference to children. The words, those who believe really does give us the point he's talking specifically about people who are following Jesus little ones probably is an indication of those people maybe who are new to the faith so they're they're not strong in the faith because they're new to the faith maybe those who are just immature in the faith they've never grown to a place of strength and maturity in the faith Maybe people who are especially vulnerable in the faith. Maybe people who are are, are lowly and we tend to overlook them and dismiss them. They're not the prominent, strong believers in the church, but there are others who would be more vulnerable to our influence. Are you with me? Little ones are those who are probably weaker in the faith or new in the faith. Because of that, they're not strong yet, And they're vulnerable to outside influences worse than someone who would be stronger in the faith. So that's the first person we're dealing with. Those who profess to follow Jesus, who are not strong in the faith, who are subject to be affected more by our influence. And then the other person involved here is the one who would cause this little one to stumble. Someone who, by action, or by words, or some other way, in any way, would cause that person who's trying to follow Jesus to stumble. Some versions say it would cause them to sin. The word is not sin. In the Greek, the word is literally skandalizo. It's where we get the English word scandal. It means to offend. In this instance, it literally means to trip somebody up. The word in Greek refers to the bait stick of an animal trap. An animal trap you could, would be any kind of trap, and there would be a stick in it where the bait was attached. And, and when the animal would grab the bait, the meat or whatever the food was, and pull on it, that stick would fall and trigger the trap. That's the idea. You're ensnaring someone. You're tripping someone up. Someone's making an effort to follow Jesus, to walk with Him on the path, and by your actions or words, you trip them up. You cause them to stumble. Now, the word can be used in a couple of different ways, and I want us to think about both. It can be used of a person who trips, stumbles, and falls away from the faith fully and finally. In other words, this would be a person who, they abandon the Christian faith never to return. Okay, that's one way the word stumble or fall away is used. A person literally leaves the Christian faith. They lose their faith in Christ and they never return to the Christian faith. Or, this word stumble can be used of those who stumble and fall away temporarily and at some point later they repent and renew their relationship with God they don't get resaved but they're what they go into what we might call a backslidden state they stumble and fall in their commitment to Christ and for a season they are not walking with God but at some point later they come back one of the examples of this is you remember the night before Jesus was crucified he said to the disciples this night, on account of me, you all will fall away. It's the same Greek word. Because Jesus was arrested and brought to trial and condemned to be crucified, they all abandoned him. But they later, with the exception of Judas, came back. In other words, they 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 didn't abandon Christ permanently. So it can speak of people who fall away temporarily. They are in a backslidden state. They're out of step with God. They're not walking with God. They may look at the moment like an unbeliever, but they will eventually come back. God will discipline them and bring them back into faith. But it can also speak of someone who leaves following Christ, Never to return again. Now obviously that person was not truly born again to begin with. But the point still remains that they were following Jesus in some sense of the word. They did appear to be. They professed to be followers of Jesus. And something happened to cause them to no longer follow Jesus. To turn away from the faith and to abandon it forever. Jesus speaks here of someone who causes that person to stumble. Rather it be fully and finally abandoning the faith, or rather it just be causing them to go into a backslidden state. Jesus is warning the one who would cause another professing believer, another follower to fall away whether temporarily or permanently. Now I want you to think about this. He doesn't specify how you cause this person to fall away because how doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how you do it. I want you to think with me for just a minute about the different ways that you might could cause another believer to abandon the faith. I have seen the way Christians bicker and fight and argue within churches that would be enough to cause someone who was weak in the faith to ab- Say, I- I'm gonna leave this whole thing. I don't if this is Christianity, I don't know what to do with all, I don't want anything to do with all this. Some of you have seen that sort of thing. You've seen the sort of spectacle in a church that would very likely cause someone who's not strong in the faith to say, I don't want nothing to do with this. I have seen people literally get up and walk out in the middle of business meeting because of the mess that's going on. Now that's one way we could cause people to stumble. When we just act like heathens. We abandon the whole idea of loving each other and we fuss and we fight and we bicker and we look just like people who don't know Jesus at all. That's one way you could cause someone who's weak in the faith to stumble. To walk away. By your own sin in your own life. Maybe it's a secret sin that you try to hide and it comes out and another weaker believer, or someone who is just getting to know the Christian faith and maybe who hasn't really been saved yet, they see this and it causes, it trips them up in their attempts to follow Jesus. Maybe it's just your own approach to Christianity. You kind of have a real casual, nonchalant approach to the Christian faith, you don't take it real seriously. I mean, you go to church but during the week you don't you don't make any real effort to walk closely with God and and they see how you go to church but they, they, they see how you talk during the week and how you don't seem to Jesus don't seem to be that much of a big deal to you during the week and so they assume that that this whole Christianity thing is not something you have to take too seriously because you're a Christian and you don't seem to take the whole thing too seriously it doesn't matter if it's your words It doesn't matter if it's your attitudes. It doesn't matter if your actions. Any way at all that you might cause another person to stumble in their efforts to follow Jesus. Any way you might trip them up. This is what Jesus said. It would be better for him if, with a heavy millstone hung around his neck, he had been cast into the sea there are two kinds of millstones a millstone is a stone used for grinding grain to make flour okay what they would have is they would have two stones the one in the top would have a hole in the middle they were round stones conical shaped and what would happen you pour the grain in the hole in the top stone and you you turn that top stone and it grinds the grain between the two stones and there was a flute in that stone where after it was ground it would come out. And that's how they made flour. Now, there was a small millstone that usually a woman would turn by hand. But there was another millstone, literally this word millstone in verse 42 in Greek is called a donkey millstone. And this is the large one, about the size of a tractor tire, thick. And it couldn't be turned by humans. They would attach a pole to the stone and put it on a donkey, blindfold the donkey, so he didn't realize he was walking in circles all day, and he would walk in circles. It was so large you had to have an animal to turn the stone, massive stone. Jesus said, rather than you cause someone else to fall away, it would be better for you if you had one of those large millstones hung around your neck and you had been cast into the sea. Some versions say you were cast into the sea. It would be better if you were. It literally is if you had been cast into the sea. And here's why that's important because he's saying, It would be better for you if before you had done that, before you had caused someone else to stumble, you had suffered the most gruesome, awful death. Imagine someone having a stone the size of a tractor tire hung around their neck, taken in a boat out to the middle of the Sea of Galilee. In the deepest part and pushed overboard you would plummet instantly to the bottom of the sea where you would drown and perish jesus said it would be far better for you if that happened to you before you had caused someone else to fall away from following jesus Surely the point is very clear. God takes the influence you have on those who profess to follow Jesus very seriously. You will be held responsible for how you influence those who profess to know Jesus, rather for good or for bad. You will. Be held responsible for how you influence others who who profess to follow Jesus, rather you influence him for good or for bad. And if by chance you should cause someone else to stumble and fall, if you should trip them up in their efforts to follow Jesus, if you should cause them to fall away in their commitment to Jesus, It would have been better for you if you had died a gruesome death before you had committed that act. Now, what exactly will happen to you if by chance you cause someone to fall away from the faith? I can't say because the scripture doesn't say. An unbeliever could do this. An unbeliever could cause someone to Be tripped up in their faith. And no doubt many of them do. For instance. Suppose a family member. A a, a child or a spouse. Is visiting church with a friend. And makes a profession of faith in Jesus. They go home and tell the family. And suppose the man of the house. Begins to ridicule them and mock them. And convinces them not to follow through. With their commitment. This man will suffer. The anguish of hell. Because he's not a Christian. But even a Christian... Can cause someone else to stumble. And what the consequences for you will be... Are not spelled out. My personal belief is... That there will be such disciplinary consequences... Come in your life... That you will wish you had died... Before you had done that. In other words... God may discipline you so severely in this life that you will, it would have been better if you had died before you had been, caused someone else to abandon the faith. Now, let me say this. Each and every one of us has been guilty of sin, which other people saw and knew about. Right? So he, he, he's not every single Not every sin you commit causes someone else to fall away from the faith. But it is possible that in your actions, you could be the cause of someone abandoning their commitment to Jesus. That's what we're talking about. Not every sin you commit is going to cause someone else to walk away from the faith. But if by chance you do, there will be grave, grave consequences. So let me make just a couple of suggestions tonight and I'll be through. Here's the first suggestion. I think you and I should make it a matter of prayer that God would help us to be conscious every moment of how very important our influence is on others our Christian influence. I think we should pray regularly that God would help us have a positive influence for Christ on those around us and that God would keep us from doing or saying things or having attitudes that might cause others to think of Jesus in a negative light or cause others to second guess whether or not they wanna follow Jesus. Or before we would tempt somebody else to give in to sin. So prayer, I think, is the first thing you and I ought to do. We ought to give ourselves to much prayer. God, preserve my influence for Christ. Preserve my influence for Christ by my words. And by my deeds and by my attitudes, let me be salt and light that has a positive influence on people for Jesus. So I think we ought to pray. And here's another thing I think we ought to do. I think we ought to ask ourselves. How can I purposefully. Be a positive influence on people around me for Jesus. Not just pray, God, keep me from being a negative influence, but God, how can I be a positive influence? Think about the people that are around you in your life the people you live in your home with, your family members, the people you see at work, your friends, your neighbors co-workers, whoever. Think about the people that you regularly interact with and write some of their names down and think about each person and say, okay, what could I do to positively impact this person for the kingdom? How could I influence this person to, to be stronger in the faith? You remember what the scripture says? In Hebrews 10, let us consider how to stir one another up toward love and good deeds. And so much the more right as we see the day approaching. So I think we ought to identify the people that we have influence over. You know there are people in your life that you have influence over. Children, co-workers, people you see in in the stores. Ask God, how can I influence these people in a positive way for Christ? So here's two suggestions for you. To, to keep us from having a negative influence on people that would cause them to fall in their commitment to Jesus. To keep us from having to suffer the consequences of being a stumbling block to someone else. Pray. God, please keep me from being a negative influence. Preserve my influence for Jesus. Secondly, consider how you can specifically positively influence people in your life positively for Jesus write down their names consider how you can influence them In these two ways we are guarding against being a negative influence that could be detrimental to the faith of others and cause great harm to us in our own relationship with God let's pray